thanks for tuning in to Power Athlete Radio. Hard to believe, but it turns out that there are still questions not yet answered by the Power Athlete crew. A little preview of this week's lineup include how to program specifically for throwers, golfers, high schoolers, and maybe the most challenging, spouses. The guys point you in the direction of fixing your weird flat feet and what mobility flexibility practices we believe aren't incredible wastes of time. It's Black Friday, people, and it will come as no surprise, especially if you listened to last week's episode, that I recommend you work off some of that stuffing by maybe heading to your local Walmart and uh, maybe catching some shoplifters. Practice being the hammer a little bit. This is episode 235. Are you set on your marks? Get set. Action. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, ladies and germs, it's that time of week again for another episode of the Premier Podcast in strength and conditioning. You got Tex and Luke. It's a late night record. Uh, For those of you who are curious about how this thing actually goes down behind the scenes, nobody knows. We just show up and randomly there's somebody on the fucking TV and then we start recording. But every once in a while we throw out a little Q&A request on Instagram to see what the hell you want to learn about. And then uh, just so Tex and I get a chance to talk, we never tell John about these episodes. So he's down at... You're not wrong. <laughs> which is really going to fuck up somebody else. Somebody requested to hear a story for the seventh time from Wellborn. Listen, we are kings of the repeater. And for those of you... Well, hey, how about that? Just listen on Friday. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We got Scott Caulfield. Or listen last week because Facebook Live, listen Friday. If you're listening... Um. If you're listening, what, the 17th? I don't know, man. I don't know how the calendar system works. The Mayans are brilliant. But ladies and gentlemen, we're also on Facebook Live right now. So my Facebook Live people, is a fu- I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out how this thing works. So if, you got a good, if you're having a good time, you're having a good time. If you're not, if you're not. But now, listen to those of you who are listening right now. Do not. Do not hit that little circle icon on your player that has a 30 second thing in the center of the circle arrow because you're going to fast forward through this with this very important announcement to make right and if you're a regular listener uh listen again because december 8th 9th and 10th we have the premier expo or symposium in strength and conditioning in austin in december in b cave at Senesta b cave it's called the power athlete symposium people we got 13 amazing speakers Right. Sunday morning, for those of you who got early bird, you're going to be here at Power Athlete HQ to putting on a practical session with Roth Ruiz, Ingrid Markham, Mike Wasserlisten of Move You, and the Dr. Tom Inkladon. Okay. Those of you who procrastinated, the show will still go on. You can see Dr. Tom talk. You can see Dr. Christie talk. You can see Derek Woodski, Bert Soren. Um, and I'm, I'm intentionally pausing here. This is a Adam dramatic Nelson pause. <laughs> Adam Nelson, Lindsay Matthews, uh, and I'm, I'm selling it short. You got, you're going to have John there as well, Tex, myself. The whole crew is going to be there. And the opportunity to hang out with all these speakers. That's right, because we have announced, if you go to powerathletehq.com slash symposium, we have announced a VIP cocktail hour. There are only 40 tickets available for this. This is Friday night. All right, this is how the whole thing shakes out. Andy Stump kicks the whole thing off, right? He's got a very tight window because he's got to do some crazy shit with some crazy people at some crazy places, okay? Then we introduce Wade's Army because this whole thing's a fundraising 
av- a vehicle for our 501c3 tree, uh, charity Wade's Army, which we'll get to in a second. Text, hold your horses, right? But we're we're going to introduce the charity. We're going to re- set you loose for about 90 minutes while we set up a silent auction. We have awesome sponsors like Sorenex, Power Dot, uh, Thorn uh, Supplements, Hate Brand Goods, Hate Brand Goods. All these guys uh, um, and many more are submitting and providing us with. Um, a bunch of cool shit and swag to put on auction, right? So we got to set that whole thing up and we're gonna do a little silent auction. Yes, there will be a bar so we can make bad decisions, right? I'm looking at you, Tom Wild, getting a bidding war with John Wellborn over a signed all blacks jersey. Remember that? So that was last year highlight. But so guys, while that's going on though, we're gonna be up in the rooftop bar at Sinesta Hotel in Bee Cave, right? Beautiful view of Bee Cave and Hill Country. And we're gonna have cocktail hour there, uh, mixed drinks, beer, wine, some food. I just set the menu today. Uh, we got a little uh, fruit bar. I for I forwent the vegetable tray. I think it's I don't know, man. Did I fuck that up? You went fruit bar over vegetable Hang on, bro. Okay. Then we have lamb chops coming along, right? Like with a mint sauce. It's going to be fucking sick. And then we have uh, chicken fajita. Mint jelly. Whatever. Uh, Chicken feet. Mint jam? (laughs) Or jelly. What's the difference? (laughs) I'll tell you later. (laughs) Then we have a chicken fajita stuffed pepper and something else I already forgot. But listen, it's meat. It's, It's a carne favored event it's all going to be gluten-free as well guys this is going to be epic so more info on that on powerathletehq.com symposium and honestly you don't have to be going to the symposium to come to this vip event oh, because i know oh. there's some people around here that uh that can't make the whole weekend but they definitely are getting down on on the vip deal so powerathletehq.com symposium right and if hey why don't you do both Go to the go to the second wave. Get the light version of the tickets, which is the full speaker experience. The only thing is we're capped out here at Power Athlete HQ because we can only handle 100 people, okay? So get to powerathletehq.com slash symposium. Make it happen. And here's the thing, Hoff Rossman, okay? Yes, we are taking all the money and we are not buying a party barge, okay? All the proceeds from this event, like we talked about earlier, there's a fundraising vehicle for Wade's Army, which fucking, thank you guys so much for participating in Wade's Day. The group pictures were awesome. Yeah. Guys, go to Instagram, click on hashtag Wade's Army, and take a look. The support we have is absolutely epic, and for those of you who contributed this year, thank you. But the 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 push isn't over, right? So our, oh, no. our blitz is over, but we are still selling shirts at wadesarmy.org, right? This, uh, the proceeds from our Power Athlete Symposium are going to Wade's Army. And for those of you who've been living under a rock, maybe this is your first episode, right? What the hell is Wade's Army, Tex? Tell me. So Wade's Army is a 501c3 uh, started by the Wellborn family. So back when their twin daughters, Kate was pregnant with their twin daughters, her high school friend growing up, uh, their twins, one of their twins, Wade, uh, was diagnosed with neuroblastoma. So they, they went the formal treatment route and they did everything their doctors asked them to do, and the cancer was taken care of. Uh, but then within weeks, Wade just uh, wasn't feeling like Wade, and then he relapsed. And so basically when you relapse with neuroblastoma, it's a death sentence, unfortunately. Uh, so there was limited treatment centers at the time. Fortunately, the De Bruins lived close to one, so they had an opportunity to uh, kind of connect in New York and New Jersey but there are families suffering from the disease just all over the, the country, even the world. Uh, so there's only 11 treatment centers for this particular cancer in the United States, which means if you live in Alaska, then you're gonna have to move to Kansas City or Cincinnati. So 
Uh, we have had families reach out to us that need financial support because they have lost wages, uh, work, travel, all of this, and we've provided them direct financial assistance for the shit that the uh, insurance can't cover. So that that is a lot that um, you know a, a family's got to deal with. So you have cancer, and then you have all this financial burden, uh, burden on top of that. So the emotional uh, stress that's involved with that, I can't even imagine. And I, I even talked to Heather just uh, connecting with her on Wade's Day, and uh, that was a big part of the conversation. Just every year that she has to relive kind of her experiences, and uh, effectively our mission, our goal is to turn that tragedy into a, an empowering moment in time. So and a part of my um, just talking with her, I wanted to show her the impact. So I showed her yeah. all the group photos that uh, everyone posted from their gyms, from their Wade's Army gym events, and that, that helped. So if you look at a young boy who was uh, just over two years old when he passed away, but the impact over the past six years uh, that we've been kind of working for Wade's in his name and giving Neuroblastoma a name, that is an impact for a little boy's life that a lot of people won't even get to living their whole lives. Yeah, man. He was the first one to, to, to bring the fight. You know what I mean? And uh, I remember the humble, humble beginnings because it was 2012. I don't know. We were in John's kitchen in Newport and like it went out. I talked to me, Johnny. And this is before, you know, this might have been right around the time we launched PowerAthlete.com or PowerAthleteHQ.com because some asshat in fucking Ohio has PowerAthlete.com. Anywho. I digress. Why not thepowerathlete.com? Well, maybe somebody here sitting on that URL. No. <laughs> um, but we we got some support from some friends around the area. We had a buddy at Onnit. We were jamming in like these little Onnit supplement packs, some like makeup and shit into these flat rate envelopes. And dude, like not only have we figured out how to lean this thing out, and I think that's what what's important is like we are dedicated to the to making we are the most fucking frugal people in the world when it comes to this thing because we want to maximize the donations right mm -hmm. and i <laughs> everything from stripping back all of the a lot of the convenience and replacing it with like good old grit and grind for handling packing folding ordering printing uh host and, and web fundraising. hosting fundraising web hosting. like we pulled stripped all the expenses out we could but um yeah, man, we've uh, hundreds of kids we've provided treatment for, right? Dozens of families we've directly aided. You know, we're over the half million dollar mark right now, and there's just there's so much more to go. And thank you guys so much for those of you who did Wade's Wad, which was uh, a, a sassy little five round single arm dumbbell nope. snatch. We, dumbbell we did this morning. Yeah, yeah. Let the record show. Here we that go. That I beat Luke by more than a minute. I never claimed to be the best of fitness. How about we get onto the show? Okay. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, here's what we did. You've heard one of these before. Maybe you haven't, right? We put out a highly produced video on Instagram, and we <laughs> ask you to cut action. We ask you to drop a question or comment in the in below, and uh, you know we look at that and then text, copy, and paste some in there, and then basically we go through and we just talk and blab about all this shit that you've asked for, right? So that's what's going on now. Uh, text. I can't remember. Are these sequenced? Um, kind of. All right. Well, your so question, new, Master. New, instead of me just looking at my phone, since we're on video, yeah, I don't we, want to make an ass of myself, so no, I've we, organized. No, we always do it this way. Shh. Our secret. So I've organized these into different categories, so we may stick with one category for a little bit, and we may jump around. Uh, we only have one nutrition question, thank God. No, that's the best part. No, no. Um, 
So let's uh, let's save that for the nutrition episode. But um, let's let's kick off. So let's begin with strength and conditioning, since we are the premier podcast in ing, ing, strength ing. and conditioning. We might as well begin that. Do it. All right. So this one is from uh, Lafleur Andrew Andrew Lafleur. What considerations or modifications would you make for a throwing athlete hmm. following their bedrock or one of the your other programs? Is it just a matter of reducing loads in order to have them maintain posture and position, or is there a modification to exercise selection when going overhead? There's a lot to unfold okay. here. So I misunderstood that. I was thinking throwing like shot, disc, javelin, which I guess are still fall within the classification, but maybe 100%. more so, well, not 100%. I'd go 99% because you're gonna someone who's throwing shot is going to have a different consideration than, let's say, a a pitcher, right? Well, yeah, it's called sport practice. Yeah, it's called individuality. <laughs> no. Is that not it? Oh, yeah, the principle of individuality. But at the same time, we're going to get to specificity. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, so where modifications. Uh, I'm, their bedrock program, it will not change. We are going overhead. We are going to strict press overhead. We are going to bench press with these athletes. Where we would get around the modifications would be any uh, accessory work. So this is where we would build into individuality and then take into consideration the specificity and demands of the sport. Where throwing, if it's a pitcher, all right, he needs a hell of a lot more, you know, specific physical endurance Mm -hmm. because he's got to go either 15 pitches if he's a you know a reliever or if he's a starting pitcher. We're going 100 plus. Mm -hmm. If text, can I? Okay, finish up the pitcher, and then I'm going to... On the other end of the spectrum is mm-hmm. a shot put or Olympic athlete. All right, so timeout. Six. Timeout. There's like freeze in... Five uh, throws. Saved by the bell. Because what if somebody doesn't know what bedrock is? So here's what bedrock is, people. A newsflash. We offer some programming online, of which... The line. On the internet, of which, or one of which is a program called Bedrock. Now, along with the name, the goal is to build a strong foundation to do some jiggy shit and make sure that a lot of the advanced training techniques have maximal efficacy in return because one of the number one fallacies in strength and conditioning is the misapplication of training stimulus, right? You take a beginner athlete and you start to give them some sort of advanced training technique, right? Guess what? It's just not going to work the way it should because these fucking guys and gals, they don't have the reps under the barbell. So bedrock is a, a repeating style program, linear progression. The goal is to overload the athlete, have them bounce back, introduce things like compensatory acceleration. And it, it's, it's our, regardless of whether you're a prep athlete or a late adopter, if you're first, like you are just about to get serious about uh, training, lifting weights, and you want to be successful for a long term because no one shows up and lifts weights for fucking 10 days. Actually, they do. They do that in the first week of January. They're called resis, resolutionists, all right? But we're not talking about those people. We're talking about the people who are stepping into a gym and are like, you know what? I need to lift some weights. I'm going to do this the rest of my life. They should start with a a restricted movement selection, repeated type of linear progression. That's what we've built into bedrock. Okay. So what this guy's talking about is, Hey, I got some throwing athletes, early adopt or young, early life cycle, probably youth athletes is my guess. Right. So we um, go. So now text talked about the pitchers, hundred throws, yada, 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 hitting the other end of the spectrum shot put. Yeah. Five, your competitions, five throws, you know, Adam Nelson, uh, check Pat back to our past two podcasts with Adam Nelson or come meet him at the Power Athlete Symposium with Matt Vincent Bingo. to talk specifically about 
uh, throwing sports. But just for a, a general approach, if we're working with a high schooler, uh, we still need to hit them on bedrock to establish a base level of strength like Luke talked about, but we still are going to overload with the strict press. We are going overhead with our strict pull-ups, and our focus is maintaining 100% posture and position. We're almost using the reps and using the weight on the bar as a guide for progress, but not performance. Mm -hmm. Bingo. Now, and something to think about here, too, is going to this demographic – Okay, so you got the guy like the Eric Cressys um, or Mike Boyles, these guys who are, uh, I would say, very cons take a conservative approach to throwers, right? Yeah. But they're all you got to remember their population, right? Now, let's say you have a pitcher who's accrued hundreds of thousands of throws, let's say a major league pitcher, right, who may have been a specialist growing up, versus a 14-year-old kid, you, you have a better framework to – to train within, right? They're not going to necessarily have the mileage. So it's just a lower risk, man. You know, and this is one of those things where, you know, just because Eric Cressy or Mike Bell are doing this is doing, taking a certain approach with high value, high dollar athletes doesn't mean it's the most effective way to do things at a youth level. Did I say that right, Tex? Yeah. But I'm also not discrediting these guys as well because we oh, yeah. are in line with them. They're, they're sharp dudes. Uh, they have the. We had Mike Boyle on about a year ago. We should get him back on soon. Text. Oh yeah. But they, uh, their, their, their rationale is warranted, and they still fall within the parameters of what we, you know, our nine fundamental principles of strength and conditioning. So we're not saying we invented this. We're the only way. But this is how we're going to tackle it. And if we are setting setting them up for future success, we are going to teach them how to. One, power clean properly. Two, go overhead properly. Bingo. So a lot of the exercises and movements that are taken out of a, a college baseball player, or uh, I know for a fact that college throwers are doing Olympic lifts, mm -hmm. but if it's taken out of a baseball player uh, because the elbows or some risk that uh, a sport coach forces into a weight room, we are going to teach them how to execute these things, these movements properly so that way they are trusted in the weight room, right? Bingo. Uh, I do recall a John Wellborn story in which he goes to the New England Patriots, and they have these these beautiful, fancy Sorenex gears, these bumper <laughs> plates, that were untouched. So in his off time, he just says what's up to the strength coaches, goes in, and then they start hearing the weights hit the floor. And they had to run in and make sure like nobody was getting hurt or anything, but it was a matter of did, was John trusted with these movements, and then the strength coaches allowed him to yeah, execute like, you're those. you're good. Go. You're good. Let it rip. So if we can create this fundamental base level of strength, which that term goes well beyond the ter just the phrase strength, right? We're talking a lot, a lot, a lot about uh, basic fundamental components that coaches value. Then we can give them that uh, that nod, that respect that they can take to the next level with them. Right. So uh, we are going to overload them because overload drives adaptation, whether it's structural or neurological. So that's what we're going to do. Uh, and then when we reset on those overhead presses, that's when we start to add speed and we can start to coordinate the new structure, the new muscle tissue that the athlete has developed. So the answer to your question, Andrew, is no. We're not going to modify anything, but you're going to pay particular attention to how they move, right? Mm -hmm. If they get hurt under your watch, it's 100% your fault. So we want to really take a long-term approach here, but at the same time, being too safe that's really short-term thinking not that long-term mm -hmm. 
Boom, asked and answered. Tex, next. Okay, let's, well, let's stick with Bedrock. Well, we're talking about Bedrock. So we got uh, our boy Bryce Wolcott, who very active in our Power Athlete uh, Methodology Level 1 course. So I appreciate you, Bryce. All right, so he asked, when coaching a novice lifter through Bedrock, should accessory movements be added to address limiting factors discovered during the warm-up or watching the primal movements, or is that overkill at this stage? He provides an example. Athlete demonstrates a weak upper back during the squat. Simply keep the load in the squat at the level where posture and position is not comp- are not compromised, or also add horizontal pull to the program to bring up this weakness. Okay, so clicking through. Looks like a wrestling coach. Oh, well, his handle is, for the record, Valley Vista Wrestling. Hmm. I'm not going to put all my money on it, but I'll put $5. No, I know he's a wrestling okay. coach. I talk to him every week. So let's, let's start thinking about kids who haven't trained and wrestling and just kind of the rounded position. So I don't, you know, this, the funny thing with a novice lifter is things that you may assess as a weakness. I mean, in the very, it is a weakness because it's a limiting factor, right, Tex? But is the problem strength? It might not be, right? There's a whole level of coordination that needs to go through and go on for an athlete just to literally learn how to support a bar on their back. Like it might be strength. Yeah, it might be structural, but realistically it's a combination of neurological structural, right, Tex? Uh, confirm or deny. He said confirm. So, um, you know, you could maybe, you, you have a population of wrestlers who are relative, are going to be kyphotic and rounded just by the nature of the sport and their stance and the, the SPP of this thing. So you may want to, uh, as you go through and we evaluate like accessory work. Yeah. Maybe some upper back work for the whole fucking team could be thrown in, but week one, week two, week three, I wouldn't sweat it because here's the thing. Talk to me in eight weeks. Right. After we've been doing, you know, two days of vertical pulling and some heavy or some decent, a decent amount of horizontal pulling in any of the accessory that you're programming. Because recall uh, within the bedrock paradigm and framework, we're giving you some minimal, a minimum effective dose on which you have two days to throw in your accessory work and one day to throw in SPP. Right. So short answer is like maybe. I think you got to do a little bit of a uh, little bit of discovery and you got to, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to figure it out the first week and your first time through with your first group of guys. But, you know, an analogy I like to give, or maybe it's a metaphor text, you know, these days, who knows, is uh, when we provide you this information, we are giving you, I already forgot my metaphor. It's the M&M, a thin, a, the chocolate filling. Right. So we what we talk about in the methodology course, we give you the chocolate filling. Okay. now it's on you to go out there in the wild and run and frolic with your wrestlers and coat that chocolate with a thin candy shell. You choose the color, you choose the shape, maybe. But that's the thing is you're going to have to kind of do some discovery and and figure it out. Yep. And um, strength and conditioning is going to be this simple. And, you know, this from taking our course, Bryce we are going to look at the demands of the sport, right? Said principle, we're going to identify what our athletes need to be successful. Then we're going to provide, and then we're going to hit an assessment. We're going to identify what, you know, their limitations are physically, neurologically, you know, uh, training age, all these different things. And then part three is applying the program that gets them from where the demands of the sport are and where they currently may be. 
So it's going to take some reps. It's going to take some time. But hopefully if if when you go, get into move through the stages of the novice athlete and they maintain consistent, you know, rounded back or that that is failing there, then we need to start to add in more vertical pulls, I would say, over mm-hmm. horizontal. Uh, but yeah, and have fun. So a lot of the accessory work should be done to keep the shit entertaining and the kids in line because mm-hmm. bedrock it's i'll say it's consistent <laughs> repeatable yes so at the same time you add that thin candy shell to make sure that they are focused dialed in and we can accomplish everything we need to with mm-hmm. the program mm-hmm. i believe that's called coaching i'm not familiar uh, next. i know i know i I, know. Co- I tried to coach you today during the, that wade wad. like hey good job buddy active shoulders You're- active shoulders you were, I don't even think you know what active <laughs> shoulder means. Nobody knows what active shoulder means. Next question. Oh, let's one more bedrock and then we'll progress. <clears throat> All right, Whetstone here. I know bedrock is legit as fuck for strength gains, low sets, low reps, high intensity, get strong. When gaining size is a concern, let's say, for a freshman or a sophomore high school athlete, concern, that's one of you want to put on the weight, what is an appropriate amount of accessory hypertrophy training that could be added that won't be detrimental to the strength gains that's trying to be achieved? Mike, 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 Mike. I remember Mike. Uh, me and Double D did him in OKC. I think he was at the OKC course. Got he's dialed in. He's you know. Was Whetstone born identity? No, maybe. Treadstone. Treadstone. Oh, shit. But uh, so this guy is, I think he's an uh, Illinois guy. So you know he's a good guy. Good so guys. That's, that's how we do it. Okay. All right. But uh, one of the guys at the chorus text where like they were us, you know. So Mike was one of those guys just di- pen to pad asking the right questions. He was dialed in. So I'm not that mad at you, bro. Um, here's the thing is uh, that the, the weight gain thing is probably, you know, 90. I'm going to make numbers up. 80% of the weight gain is going to have to be in the kitchen. You're yeah. going to have to get the parents involved. These kids are going to have to fucking eat, man. And I- that's. I do go. got stories. Yeah, so Texas. So I'll I'll leave it at this, right? Uh, the 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 base framework of bedrock is enough to elicit hypertrophy, right? Um, you're gonna see it. It's gonna take a little bit of time, but remember, even the hypertrophy work requires neurological efficiency. So you still need to get the reps to have like a, a proper training response from the stimulus. Mm-hmm. So don't rush it. It kind of takes times. Uh, the biggest, the biggest bang for your buck is going to come from pull-ups, man. The pull-ups are going to put a lot of 10 weeks in, you're going to notice kids are going to be going up a size, but they have to be sleeping ish. That's going to be a hard one, but eating, if you can influence that. And I know Tex, you had, uh, you struggle with this with your kids and you gave them a couple quick tips and tricks to really just get calories up another 500 calories a day, right? Something like that. So, uh, my, I was, uh, helping a private high school in Washington, D.C. that that played the likes of, like, DeMatha High School. And those of you in the freaking uh, DMV, you know DeMatha. Kevin Durant went to DeMatha. They recruit hard, so they are these big athletic guys no matter the sport. And then I was working with a lot of Senators kids. So not exactly, you know, freaking uh, winning any bodybuilding contests or powerlifting contests. So uh, the mission and the objective was with these kids was protect them. So we're going to build some armor. We're going to put as much meat onto them or just wait whatever we can get on as we could so they could protect themselves going into football season so 12 weeks out the objective was yes we're going to hit bedrock uh to a t but at the same time i need to gain a pound a week in 12 weeks if all these kids can put on 
12 pounds, their mission, their objective, you know, it may be a little heavy in the gut, but at the same time, that's not going to hurt mm-hmm. as, as much. But anyway, so simply put, I need to get, find one pound a week, basically 3,500 calories for these kids. And I spent 11 years in a college locker room. So what's my thinking? Like, all right, uh, how am I going to get this is olive oil. Every freaking college and these kids had meals provided on campus like cafeteria. I know they're going to have olive oil. So that's going to be our go-to to add some extra fats, nine calories per gram, all that good stuff. Okay. So then I default to my college uh, locker room default and they asked me all right so we need it we need to consume four ounces of olive oil a day and I'm like yep that's a number well how do we uh, how do we accomplish that how do you measure an ounce dude easy shot glass yeah so you get four ounces I just need you to take two shots of olive oil a day easy <laughs> these kids are in fucking high school right these kids are in high school so then I just didn't think anything of it I walk away and then the next day I get a call from the AD I got to go down to the office and freaking uh, just plead my case. And, and then I'll tell you what's even worse is this led to their pa- the kids talking, saying we want to put on weight, fats. Mm-hmm. And so it was oh, me. Oh, this is when mom. Yeah, it was me, the AD, and one of the kids' parents. And the problem, it was not the kids. They, they would have freaking, they would have done anything to, to perform, put on size, and, you know, get big. But they were consuming their mother's diet. And to the mother, fat was the enemy. Yeah, fat on the plate is fat on the waist. So not only did the, the shot glass get me in trouble, but <laughs> then, you know, asking these kids to consume fat. So bottom line is know your audience. <laughs> Make sure that you know how many ounces are in a couple tablespoons. Uh, I just went Nanamaquilkin after that, mm-hmm. which is the 10 seconds pour, right? You turn the bottle over and just count to 10. That'll that'll get you covered. Four ounces, I'm sure, more than that. But hey, who's counting? Um, so you're gonna have to find a lot of battles. It's gonna be sleep. It's gonna be nutrition. But with those two, that's where you can make the smallest adjustments and have the biggest the biggest impact. Yeah, yeah. So Mike, and, and then you know you you got a young population. They might not have the wiring yet to really. You know, you have to have. The right androgen profile to really benefit from some of that st- that adaptation as well. So, it, it could just take time. But if you want to throw in some, bo- this goes back to really our, our other question as well, right? Mm-hmm. So you have the opportunity. You have a couple days where you can throw in some accessory work, dude. There's not a fucking high school kid in the world. I don't know. It's a different world these days. Back when I was a kid. I'm, anyways, that doesn't want. Are, are you talking about those fifteen hundred days in a row you bench press? Yeah. That doesn't want bigger chest, shoulders, back, and arms. You know what I mean? Well, maybe back. I don't know if kids are smart enough to realize that we're just a bunch of back guys living in the ab guy world. You know? So what we're trying to say is <laughs> follow the program. Yeah, follow the program. And then if you have the ability to make them the best movers out there, then they'll start to accelerate through the hypertrophy phase quicker. Mm-hmm. So everybody gets good at lifting light weights, but that's not going to be beneficial for one coordination and two putting on the size mm-hmm. so i need you to stick to the linear progression that is bedrock follow it to a t mm-hmm. and then the accessory work it won't be it will be valuable not as valuable as doing our dead bugs doing our spider-mans and getting mm-hmm. them to move like freaking athletes yeah and i guess for those of you who are thinking like how what's the appropriate effective dose if you notice that anything you're doing in addition to the frame the the base level progression and sprints starts to detract Ooh, 
okay, starts to detract from their ability to progress, right? I would say, you know, start to add things as you become comfortable with the program and you yourself travel along this coach's journey and start to figure out what to expect out of, a, you know, 20 to 30 weeks on bedrock. If you notice something you've thrown in starts to affect their ability to train and reset start to come earlier, I would call that a red flag. You know what I mean? So there's going to be some levers to pull, some tinkering, and, uh, you know, maybe some bad decisions to make, but something make sure you're learning from them. All right, let's switch gears. There is a nutrition question. I'm going to hand this off to you mm. since you're mm-hmm. the, the nutrition guru here. You want me to read it? Uh, uh, but I was going to read it to you and then have you answer. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Okay, <clears throat> so our Pat Greenery, protein powders, yay or nay? If so, any brands you recommend? Holy fuck. Eating lots of quality protein in the forms of grass-fed beef, chicken thighs, slightly more tolerable than fucking chicken breasts. His words, not mine. <laughs> Pork, eggs, etc. So is there really any need for whey protein powder? Mm-hmm. Thanks for the info. Kick-ass programs and the premier podcast in strength and conditioning. Dude, click through. Look at this fucking ribeye he's got oh, on his whoa. Instagram. Dude, I don't think you need any protein powders. Yeah, that's sick. Uh, okay. Um, I don't know, man. I don't want to poo-poo the protein powder. Um, here's the thing about taking whey in like a and a shake and smashing it in your mouth is it's pretty quickly bioavailable, right? Uh, becomes bioavailable for training and it does have a, you know, it could benefit, right? But I mean, I just, I'm kind of, I'm kind of in your boat personally in the sense that, okay, let me talk preference first. Um, is it worth it to me, the investment? Not really. I don't notice a ton of, like, I, I just wake up earlier and eat eggs and some ham, you know what I mean? Some like leaner ham, some eggs, and um, uh, but it, it's it is a different protein structure. But it is animal flesh. Flesh builds flesh. You're gonna have an ideal protein profile. You have a decent uh, fatty acid profile, right? So it kind of comes down to per- personal preference, right? Now the thing about the protein powders too is there's a lot of fucking bullshit in the supplement industry, which is why I don't really contribute to it, right? Um, and this comes from just talking with Dr. Tom on how, you know, and historically, you know, one of the guys that John played with started a a supplement company that was legit, right? It was legit. And then uh, all of a sudden angel investors come in, profit margins become important. And what do they fucking do? They strip it and quality goes to shit, right? So this is a constant life cycle in a lot of this supplementation, but you do have brands that are absolutely wed to quality. For example, it's unfortunate, but we had well food co was one of those brands. You know, you have a brand like SFH who, you know, I, I think they're good guys. I, I I know the guy there. His name's escaping me. He seemed like a good guy. That seems to be their niche. But the thing when you get into that stuff is it's it's kind of expensive. I know my buddy Logues uh, at Original Nutritionals, he's one of those guys. Like, they keep it clean, man. And they, So if you can find a protein powder that's clean and you can afford it, like it's not going to work against you. It's one of those things. You know what I mean? But remember that it falls under the category of supplement. Now, Tex, can you quickly Google the definition of supplement while I just stall a little bit? And we get this question all the time about these supplements. Now, by the definition, a supplement is, take it, Tex. There's two. (laughs) The verb, I'll start there, add an extra element or amount to. Okay, so you're adding an extra element to what? What is the fucking primary? It's going to be exactly what you're thinking, bro. It's going to be... That ribeye. 
that ribeye, right? It's going to be your your meat, fish, fowl, seafood, eggs, roots, tubers, bulbs, veggies, uh, animal fat, coconut, all the things we talk about in the power athlete diet, right? Um, olives, herbs, and spices. I think I'm missing avocado. Food. Avocado. Thanks, Tex. And then the other definition is the noun: something that completes or enhances something else. Bingo. When added to it when added to it so if you don't have that power athlete diet which again like dude you think we fucking invented this no it just eat the most nutritionally dense foods per calorie and you're going to guess what you're gonna feel good and you probably don't need fucking supplements and you throw in a roy g biv which is red orange yellow green blue indigo violet and that the 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 point behind that is to get my, my, not only macronutrients, but micronutrient diversity in your diet. And you're going to be fucking good, man. Um, and maybe a little protein powder if you're fucking you know, short on time. So Or your gramps. There is one more definition. This is probably one you were thinking of, Luke. Okay, go on. It's for math. The amount by which an angle is less than ah, yes. 180 degrees. Yeah, the supplement too. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Less than 180. So that whole 180 meridian, folks, is what we need to figure out, right? There you go. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So back to strength. Did I answer that? I didn't even, yeah. yeah. So there you go. Uh, so is there a need? No quality. Just, I, I guess that's my thing is like, there can be some garbage out there. Don't fall for the marketing. Go text, go. Okay. Yeah. What about like anus explode? 5, <laughs> oh, you mean uh progenics? Uh, <laughs> dude, that shit is garbage. And I, 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 we have no obligation to fucking progenics, man. They gave us, they humped our legs when we were, you know, in the CrossFit football fold two, two or three years ago. We got some, who else? Uh, we got like, we used to get all this fucking protein and it was like a fucking stink bomb at Balboa when we were testing this stuff. It was awful. And that's when John's like, fuck it, I'm making my own, which was awesome. Whoa, cool. Yeah. yeah so how about that? I, yeah, I was thinking more like the NO is exploding. Yeah, like, yeah. Again, fucking, I'm sure they're still rampant in the college locker rooms. Mm-hmm. It's terrible. Yeah, shortcuts. mentally weak. Yeah. Uh, I did play with a kid that took it, and any of my boys that are listening, the kid took it pregame. So an hour, we kicked off an hour before, we started our pregame an hour before the game day, but he never touched the field. So <laughs> he took pre-workout <laughs> for the pre-warm-up warm-up and like the the game warm-up and he never touched the field so like that was his game day so after a while we're like what the fuck okay this is it this is your game day that's fine man <laughs> you do you um but then he would crowd the box and really get in the way of the flow of the game all right moving on but um let's hit mr freddie swenson here running uh when athletes mix strength and conditioning with running i.e. training for a half marathon and doing CrossFit, what are some considerations they need to take into account when mixing the two as far as an adaptation and results are concerned? Results for running or strength and conditioning? That's my question. And what does the conversation between two specialty coaches training one athlete look like in that sense? That's a great second parter. Hmm. (laughs) Yeah, well... Um, it looks like strength and conditioning. <laughs> Ing. Ing. Uh, so I guess, you know, the, the whole, the within the framework of our methodology, strength and conditioning is the a, a act of identifying and addressing limiting factors, right? So we talk about reverse engineering. So the considerations you need to make are 
like here's the, even even runners should follow bedrock right you follow bedrock you go through the full reset matrix you come out the other end establish what we call our base level of strength and then from there you evaluate the athlete's performance and guess what's going to happen to even your distance runners and your people who are doing crossfit which guys Okay, so I'm going to make a claim here, and this is not meant to be a knock, but when you're talking about the highest level of competition, CrossFit is the sport of laziness. Think about this, because you have to go slow enough to not get super tired. So you got to like be optimally lazy, frugality of output, because they put you through some of the most demanding fucking shit. Very rarely is there a short burst right? Maybe on the lift ladders. And these guys, listen, guys, before you, if you think I'm casting stones, I'm not. It's just when we, like when we were doing our, the Wade's wad today, I was going as slow as possible while maintaining a decent cadence. You know what I mean? Versus uh, playing men's league softball and fucking ripping a rope over the second baseman's head and fucking legging out a double. I'm not going, I'm not pacing myself. You know what I mean? I'm going for that double. Well, I know you're not pacing yourself based <laughs> hey. off some of those swings, <laughs> swings and misses. But you know, continue, continue the um, the explanation, your answer here. Oh, okay. So even when you have these sports that are really about uh, work capacity, maximizing energy conservation, going slower to for the longer term, right? Uh, the the things that strength and conditioning, the structural and nervous type of adaptations, will allow for more effective uses of energy, right? If you can increase neural efficiency and still operate at 50% to maintain a long period of time, you're going to increase your pace or your proverbial work capacity, right? Depending on how you define that, right? Um, so what does that honestly look like? It looks like compensating for what the sport looks like. Uh, you don't want to overload movement patterns, right? So you got to figure out how to strengthen that athlete and build the athlete's posture position and patterning without overloading those things. If you're a distance runner, am I, did I read this question wrong? Uh, just like is going. running, this is all valuable. Like is I running a like take, but okay. Is, but running it like I'm interpreting it as like a marathon guy. Well, he said, or gal running half marathon, like training for a half marathon. Okay. Quote. And doing CrossFit, but like, Oh, but he's talking about mixing these things. Just keep, keep going. Anyways, what you, so the goal is just to create a more efficient athlete. That means, uh, you know, giving them the tools to do all seven primal movements, overload those primal movements, increase structural efficiency or structural ability, a structural, what am I, what's the term I'm looking for, Tex? The structural component of performance, muscle, skeletal tissues, modeling, things like that, modeling right? And then also increase neural efficiency. And that's like the shit we just kind of do for you if you follow our programming, right? So the, the risk about doing like a half marathon and CrossFit at this, like concurrently in CrossFit, it's, this is where we kind of got in trouble with the mothership is CrossFit doesn't enforce or police the programming. The programming is up to whatever the coach wants to interpret CrossFit as. So uh, until you can give me some boundaries on what the CrossFit looks like, uh, I, I can't say, I can't say with certainty, right? But I would suspect it to be pretty sagittal right a lot of bilateral hip hinging a lot of vertical pulling so you're really not expressing movement and in fitness in all planes of motion in various a lot movement of vertical patterns. pulling yeah kipping pull-ups okay vertical push vertical pull squat a lot of vertical push mm -hmm. yeah yeah but 
I mean, there's no other upper body pulling than a pull-up. And many gyms, okay? And I'm not saying this, again, we're not saying like this is the only thing that CrossFit teaches. It's these a lot of coaches' interpretation of CrossFit because the programming is not regulated um, by nature and by choice because the cream will rise to the top, right? And if you're training for competitive CrossFit, then you're just going to do the shit you see in the sport. So you're going to fucking replicate that, which anyways, there's my thing on that. So go, Tex. some, Some quick hitting points. Number one. Uh, why do we lift weights? Why do we strength and condition or condo? Why do we do these things? So the purpose, and it's not to essentially become a better football player. It should be focused on becoming a better athlete. Football, lacrosse, enter whatever sport you're doing. It's to become a better athlete that then allows you to step onto the field, the court, the arena, the rink, uh, the uh, weekend competition, and then express that athleticism for whatever the task at hand is. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a lot of the programs, they should be focusing on still performance traits like strength, power, and speed, but also movement through space. And that's one of the things that uh, I can gladly freaking put a, a, a flag and a stake in the ground to say that Power Athlete does better than anyone else in the world. Because we've been all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, 24 international trips, six mm-hmm. continents, mm-hmm. Uh, and D1 universities seen the best and the worst at the best, mm-hmm. all over the world. So gladly can uh, can kind of put a flag in the ground for that. So while focusing on performance traits, also the overarching goal should be athleticism. Now, with running in particular, what you should focus on is what's known as speed reserve. So if you watch the Olympics, whether it's going to be a marathon runner, whether it's the mile, whether it's the, you know, anything, you're going to watch the end of the race. So that end of the race, that is where we see speed reserve on display. So while uh, a lot of coaches are concerned with, you know, times or even uh, VO2 max work capacity, however you want to describe it, we're going to be focusing on our strength and conditioning program with the marathon runner, with the track athlete, with speed reserve. So their, their sport endurance specific, that's going to be worked on with their sport coach at practice. Mm-hmm. Where we're going to come in is that clothing speed. We're going to get them off the line. So you they said can get you ahead. did say clothing speed. Is that what you in- intended? Clothing speed. Closing speed. <laughs> I'm parched. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a long day, you know. And we did weights weights squat this morning. So <clears throat> uh, we are focusing on speed reserve. So it's going to be off the line, and then it's going to be the closing. That's that sixth gear. Am I right? Uh, in Fast and Furious terms, yeah, but not necessarily. It depends. Well, that's the only terms that I speak in when it comes to cars. <laughs> uh, my knowledge is only within, because, you know, I got the the Rock and Corolla, <laughs> and then I got Fast and Furious. That's, yeah, that's yeah. my knowledge base for um, cars. Anyway, so performance traits, in, in particular speed reserve when it comes to a track athlete. I would also argue that we will work on speed reserve for the CrossFitter. Mm-hmm. So that is becoming more and more athletic, and I'm a big fan of the games in that respect. And there, that's going to come down to the sprint. It's going to mm-hmm. come down to that closing thing. And you can make up a hell of a lot of time in ground while focusing on you know specific technique, which will allow you to express then the performance trait, strength, power, you know, and speed. Uh, but it all comes down to technique, speed reserve, all these different things. And then finally, planes of motion. Holy shit, when we do strength and conditioning, we are focused on all three planes of motion. And then you all get to that and then allow them to really make their sagittal plane. Because if it's a track, sagittal plane except for our throwers. Mm-hmm. 
uh, and jump, a lot of the jumpers, but CrossFit sagittal plane. Yeah. Except now some of the, the challenges yeah, and are getting in there. So mm. S and C it's going to be uh, planes of motion and speed reserve. Uh, but how the conversation would go is just like I said, it would be a separation between the track coach and the sport coach or in the strength and conditioning coach, sport coach, track coach, whatever you want to say. So the strength, we are working on performance traits, speed reserve, all these different, you know, game changers for that athlete in the sport. Sport coach should be focusing on the freaking, the meat and the potatoes, you know, uh, the, the, the middle distances, all that good stuff. So it should, and if the conversation is happening, you're making headway. Mm -hmm. If it's not, and I think what the nice thing with running is um, it's pretty – so remember, strength and conditioning as well is not about being the best at training. It's oh, about great, great empowering point. your athletes to perform and to achieve pinnacle performance on game day. So I would encourage there to be some sort of agreement on testing, right? Uh, because if your program is working, you're fuck through a testing – uh, matrix or cadence, you would see incremental improvements in performance ideally, right? So that's how you could get buy-in from a running coach is like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. Let's agree to test here, here, and here. And ideally with plenty of time out from any sort of like significant competition and you should see it's easy to measure, right? Yeah. Well, it, well track is a measurement. That's yeah. the beauty of it. Yeah. And we were just talking to uh, Zillner about this mm -hmm. track that's how you know your program is working because you're getting faster or not. Yeah, and he was because we were talking about Deets and how he gets to do all this chiggy shit, and it's like, well, you have this this immediate feedback, immediate feedback that's unimpeded by, a, for the most part, unimpeded, right? By the elements, by competition, by competitors, and it's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah you got right, that going right, for you, which yeah, is nice. We, so Tex, we're on a record all-time slow. We're 48 minutes in, and we've answered two fucking questions, maybe three. All right, just tell me to shut up. No, well, I think I'm the problem. <laughs> what do we got? Uh, maybe we got four down. Counting. We're working on it, people. Well, it doesn't matter. Let's let, let's go with an AT question here. Boom. Uh, this is from... Uh, El Monstro Baby. Uh, El Monstro... Hey, baby. I'm an AT. What's a proper way to approach a coach at, about a workout that is causing injuries? Ooh. Misspelled injuries, pal. Let's start <laughs> Easy there. Easy grammar, police. In this situation, it's the power clean, and what substitution would I recommend to address the same triple extension they are trying to train? Okay, so ha uh, I don't know the first part, text, but I'll take the second part. And uh, you know, it's not the power clean's fault, right? It's kind of it's the coach's fault. Maybe uh, uh, unfortunately, there's three limiting factors as a coach, text. Uh, just knowledge, ego, and experience, right? I was looking at texts because I didn't know for sure that those were the three. Now, uh, so right. you're... The yeah. only reason he admitted is because we're on Facebook Live. <laughs> shut up, shut people... up, shut up. <laughs> All right, continue. But uh, if it's ego, you're in a bad, you're in a bad position. And, you know, no, there's, you got you to gotta become friends with the guy first or gal, okay? So you got to figure out a way to go, like, share beers, bring them to a football game or a basketball game, ha you know, share a holiday or two, get to know their family, and then maybe approach them because it's going to be a hard fucking conversation. <laughs> but if you're looking Accelerated for... Accelerated adaptations. If you're looking for a, a movement substitution, uh, clean poles sound great. You know, 
if you if they can proficiently get past their knees, do some clean pulls from the ground and overload that way. If you want to get uh, a little more or less intrusive variation of a power clean, use some dumbbells, right? Single arm, double arm. Uh, if uh, if your coach can effectively coach a kettlebell clean, do that. I don't fucking care. Sandbags uh, as well or throws, overhead throws. So think about like really the world's your oyster on on that vertical, that, that extension, right? Um, so you got a, a lot of substitutions there. Tex, did I miss anything that you're chomping at the bit? I mean, jumping. Oh yeah, pl- it's jumping. But no, make sure you know how to land first. That's a whole different discussion. Um, so in terms of that conversation, text, what do you recommend there, man? Uh, in terms of the conversation, it's always better to show than to tell. Tell then it then it becomes an ego thing, and they immediately put the guard on. If you're trying to just go in there, but how about you ask him if he wants to train? Mm-hmm. And then, you know what happened to be on docket that day for you? Power cleans. Power cleans. There we go. So th- th- that can start to begin the conversation because then you can show him that your technique is much improved. So that, again, is you you got to be able to lift, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, that that is a big part of it, show versus t- tell. And ask him, what for purpose, what are mm-hmm. you trying to accomplish here? Yeah. Yeah. And then he just says power or cleans. Then he doesn't know. Say, what about, did you take into consideration uh, reinforcing the, the, the linebacker position or whatever, whatever position? So yeah, then, or whatever, you know, what's, I'm curious what the injuries are. Yeah. So, and that's another thing. It, he, you're an ATC, so your filter is injuries. I get it. His filter is going to be either performance or numbers, pro- really. numbers, whatever. You have to find out what his filter are and not the first time we've, had the conversation but talking to sport coaches comes down to three appeals more or less if you know another one let me know we'll throw it in there but first is going to be performance so they want to win or they need this guy to do this Mm -hmm. performance based second is going to be injury prevention right if injuries are preventing them from winning like if you're the fucking houston texans and you got (laughs) injuries out the ass that's a conversation that needs to be had so then uh finally we have performance injury prevention and now accelerated skill acquisition so that's something he may want to bite into right so if an athlete there's a lot of things that go into teaching a power clean that are also very beneficial for teaching other positional movements sports movements all these different things so you can create more coachable athletes by making them more coordinated with the power clean and so on and so forth so invite him to lift talk about his purpose see if you can find a way to show Mm -hmm. versus just tell him and maybe so I think it's big just like don't go in hard right out of the gate have a couple lift sessions and then get to it like make a connection right build a relationship because that's what it dude this whole thing like approachability comes down to palatability right so if you are a palatable normal if you're a good guy if you're a good guy, you can approach people and you can have hard conversations because they know you're a fucking good guy. But people don't know you're a good guy out of the gate unless you're, you know, the master of being a good guy. And then you get good guy discount. But, I mean, is there merit in that as well, Tex? Do you agree, disagree, or you think fucking go in dry and hard? <laughs> no, it all depends on the sport coach. Yeah, you got to if, if he is not going to exercise, you're going to have to find a different way. Sure, sure. So, all depends on the individual. Uh, but try those three appeals, talk to them. But if the, the wall is up, you're going to have to find a way to break it down. And this will ultimately help your ability when a new coach comes in because it sounds like this guy's getting fired. Yeah. Next. You're, you're the man. You're question master. Next question. Okay. Um, howdy, boys. Howdy. 
I'm slowly talking my parents into starting a strength and conditioning program. Mm. I have them committed to two days a week. Obviously tried to get them to commit to more, but in my thinking, anything is better than nothing. Mm -hmm. They are 65 years old and haven't done anything outside of a few Globo gym sessions here and there over the last 10 years. Question, with two days of training a week, how what would you prioritize? I have a plan for them. Just trying to see if I'm overlooking anything. Thank you. You know, I... I have so. I, I my fiance's folks have just moved into like a retirement community, and we visited there. And it's a younger community; it's like fifty and over. So, like the but it goes. I mean, there's some fucking old people in there too. Fifty to me, like you want you look at these people; they're not that they're not that old, you know. Or I shouldn't say like they they're they're living life, baby. They're young. They're having fun. They're in the pool. They're in the gym, and we go to the gym with them, and we watch these fuckers work out. And um, here's the problem. Even with active folks, I think they're not. They're just doing the same shit over and over, literally the same sets and reps at the same weights, and that's fucking it three days a week. And, like, you're right, man. Something is better than nothing. But, Tex, I'm curious to see what your take is on this. I'm going to let you go first because I, ha I have an answer. Formulate something. So. Something is better than nothing, right? But it's got to be something entertaining and engaging. If you want more, they have to be willing. So that could be in walking more. It could be in biking longer and more. Uh, so it's finding something that they enjoy. So you're not forcing anything like, like our previous question down there. Um, but, you know, hey, try this. Try that. Mm -hmm. So go with them, I would say, as well. So they, you can teach them so they can learn to do this stuff properly. It's also another opportunity for you to connect with them uh, on a, a deeper level. And then maybe health becomes, you know, like a, a midlife thing for them. And they, you know, go on mm -hmm. to embrace this, this change, which then could probably lead to diet. Usually it's physical and then nutrition. So this could be a life-changing opportunity that you're faced with here. But uh, I would go and just try to teach them. So maybe you hop on the, the old train heroics, do some grind some stuff, show them the videos. And then they can start to add more and more and more because we have two mandatory days a week. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's going to be a hard sell to get a barbell on a six on like I'm thinking of my folks is 70. Right. Th there's no fucking way that unless they're and first off, even if it comes from me, there's no way they're putting a barbell on my back unless like their trainer tells them to. You know what I mean? Like and even at that. I, I don't know. So I think you got to just start like. So here's where I it, the, the big thing is overload. Right. How can we overload? What are some, like three simple ways to overload? Okay, you got to think about frequency. You have amplitude. You have load. Okay, so range of motion is something we're going to have to fucking work through for somebody who's only worked out a couple times at a global gym over 65 years. But they need to squat, step, and lunge, right, Tex? Yep. So understanding the amplitude, listen, people, that's like a fancy way for range of motion. We want effective, safe range of motion. Don't worry about getting them ass to grass. Just get them to do some fucking quarter squats. Maybe hold a kettlebell. Maybe hold a fucking barbell on their back. I don't know. Maybe that's something we work to. But stick within, like, consumable rep ranges and try to make a game out of it. Like you said, like uh, a circuit to, to get in and out because I'm sure they don't want to fucking spend an hour in the gym. You probably have realistically 30 to 40 minutes with them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so in a lot of the warm up shit that you've learned from us, I doubt they're going to be able to do anyways as well. But the cool thing is that becomes the training at first, you yeah. know, rotation. Classes, yeah. If they're a global gym, 
I think every global gym in my experience has some form of class. So mm-hmm. the spins, the yogas. So maybe find something they each enjoy. Yeah. And, but at the end of the day, like, here's the tricky part is you want those two days. You, like they probably need to lift some weights. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the, True. you have to work yeah. them into a scenario where we're getting the right set rep volume scheme, which is going to be, you know, maybe your sevens and tens ish with some dumbbells or a dumbbell, right? Maybe some machines as well. Probably wouldn't fucking when I, like cable machines. I'm kind of thinking, or if you have Kaiser, which are the the Ooh, air machines. Yeah, air um, but I, you know, some of the stuff is like restricted, uh, lever machines. I don't know if that would be the best for them. And I don't think a lot of the fucking gyms have them now, but you know, it's something that allows them to work through whatever, orthopedically sound range of motion they have and try to teach them about spinal position and rotation and breathing. Cause that shit's going to help them big time as well to break up a lot of the rigidity in, in their trunk and torso. And something while I'm thinking of it. So, um, app mobility maker, um, she does just a lot of, a lot of yoga, a lot of breathing techniques. Mm-hmm. And her big thing is to really show people their improved ranges of motion or their improved abilities. Uh, so check her out at mobility maker, but it's a lot of breathing and twisting and bending. Mm-hmm. So oh, if, that's what they need too. Exactly. So if you're able to get buy-in, meaning like progress, so people, if something, if they're good at something, want to do it more and more. So simple breathing. If you're asking them, you know, breathe in through your nose for four seconds, then breathe out for eight and then twist and then twist farther or whatever. And they are able to see the significant improvement. Mm-hmm. Then they're going to start to buy in. So do different things like that, breathing, twisting, bending, but then something to show that they're improving mm-hmm. and to get accelerated buy-in in this thing. And I guess let me kind of backtrack on what I said. If, if your folks are willing to put a barbell on, the thing about the barbell is it's one of the best ways to overload and, and start to train systemically, right? So if they, they're willing to do that type of shit, do it. Like don't let, me, don't let that be a restriction. Does that, is that clear? Did I make that clear? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Do it, Tex. All right, so we're sticking with family. I mean, Ooh. Thanksgiving's coming up. Hey. You're probably meeting with your family yeah. in a long time, and you want to get active at the gym. So this one is a tough one. Uh-oh. And it's Luke can only answer it. Ready? <laughs> you think you know where I'm going with this one? My wife. My wife is finally interested in squatting. This is this is TH, not me. TH636. <laughs> uh, check out his wife. She also said she has... <laughs> Schmorals nodes or something, something about holes in the spine. So she's naturally hesitant to load her back. I'm not a doctor, neither are we for the record. <laughs> I'm just repeating what she said. Anyways, my initial thoughts are to pair her with a do-it-yourself belt squat and hammer the pull-ups to strengthen her back. What should she do? Oh, wise jaw, Batman jawed gentleman. <laughs> Fucking fuck you, man. Um, Are you talking to me? Or no, I'm talking to fucking my boy. Uh, so, Tyler, here's what you got to do, bro. Uh, just quit. Run. <laughs> Don't even fucking try. Uh, something like Schmorl's Nodes. I've never even heard of this thing. It's definitely made up. But apparently there is a medical definition on medicinenet.com. So maybe it is a real thing. All right, man. Uh, um, fuck. I guess, like, <sighs> yeah. I mean, what's what's your do-it-yourself belt squat? 
so here's the thing about strength in the back. Like <laughs> carrying carrying is going to be a great way to do that. Pull-ups isn't the only way to strengthen the back. Like there's a lot of ISO. There, like so get some pulls for sure, but you need to do some carries. So like farmers walks probably help. You can, you know, tell her to go carry all the groceries in for once in her life instead of one fucking bag at the time, Packy Jesus. Uh <laughs> You know she listens to this. I know, and the thing is, she does like she carries all the bags at once. I'm the fucking guy who does the one trip, but um, I I think you know it's about getting comfortable, right? So you sure do some belt squat stuff, but don't forget about lunging. Don't forget about split squats and some of the unilateral stuff that maybe you know allows us to to break free from text. Correct me if I'm wrong. The dominance phenomenon and start to maybe get, like build some serious leg strength. Right. Because when you go bilateral, you can kind of hide behind a lot of the, the deficiencies and maybe trunk strength, yep. hip girdle strength, leg strength. So, I mean, here's, and you know, because what's she training for? Man, she just wants to look good for you, which is fucking awesome that she's willing to train for you and like kind of get into your lifestyle. So don't fucking push it too hard. But uh, I'm not mad at the belt squat. I fucking love the belt squat. But we have a proper West Side Barbell belt squat. Any like any time we get off a fucking airplane and it's Monday very rarely do I put a bar on my back anymore. It's get to the belt squat, make it happen. And then I'll do some split squats uh, or vice versa in terms of that order. So um, GHD ISO holds, uh, you know, uh, pronated kind of uh, back extension holds, that type of stuff. Do any sort of your roll up, roll down your twist bend. Um, so we also have Stu McGill's three. Yeah. Stu, big three. Big three, Stu McGill. Google it. He's got his bird dog. He's got his uh, side plank. He's got, what's the third one? Can't um, remember. It's his variation of the dead bug. Okay. Yeah. And then gotcha. So a lot of that stuff. And, you know, for for a small, delicate, beautiful flower like your wife, you know, you don't need to fucking, she doesn't have to chew nails and spit bullets. Mine does. But that doesn't mean yours does. Okay. So, text. I mean, how do you feel about that? Uh, that sounds great, dude. Just look at it as movement. Yeah. So she's looking at it as a barbell or an external factor load. We need to look internally. Mm -hmm. So it would just be a bilateral hip hinge. Mm -hmm. I really like the uh, elevated split squat that we got going on. So that way we can really focus on the hinge. We can identify if there's a weakness between right or left mm -hmm. that maybe was causing the injury. You know. So um, just hinge so we got rdls rdls mm -hmm. will keep mm -hmm. the, the bar in front of her and good she, morning she only goes through her full range of motion not yeah. to a, a set point with the squat so is there pain eliminating, is go ahead finish i don't know it's a, just about a, essentially eliminating the intimidation factor that is the squat right because you're clearly lifting some heavy ass weights she doesn't have to we just want her to improve her movement and uh, hit Stu McGill's big three. Mm -hmm. uh, you can hit the unilateral hinge with our bilateral, um, with our ISO elevated split squat. Uh, no, I'm thinking of a different movement. But um, we get off the internet. And I'm going. To, I'm seeing if this thing is. <laughs> if I was going to search Morals Node on Stu McGill, that would be my next move too, because uh, he's basically the resident power athlete back guy. So. There you go, Ty. Oh, and purchase Stu McGill's book, The Gift of Injury. Uh, give it to your wife and be like, yeah, this is what I'm going through right now. You know? and, yeah, and like I guess to piggyback off it, which he was Friday. So, yeah, you, you've listened to this by now, Tyler, uh, Stu McGill's. But I don't know if this thing causes pain, you know. So if, if she's bracing and carrying and shit and it causes pain, we got to audible, right? So you got to find out how to get her pain-free and maybe it is working, you know, 
putting Stu's big three in part of the warm-up, get some iso holds, and then have her grab some dumbbells and do some carries. Or, you know, if you have a sandbag and you do a front carry or shoulder carry or whatever. So A grocery carry. Gro- oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. All right. Barreling uh, forward. Uh, let's, hit a, <laughs> let's hit a fun one. This isn't easy. Luke, I'm going to lay this one up for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared from At Harry's Woodshop. Check it out. Awesome work. He says it's getting cold up here. I think he's in Idaho. Okay. Um, when do beanies drop? When do these power athlete? Uh, dude, they're, they should. If you haven't went to shop.powerathletehq.com yet, or you are sleeping this, and you're not going on this Instagram, is Black Friday. Yeah, it's right out. Now. They're out. They are out. So, and we, I mean, dude, it's not f- you, Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Hey, well, I guess here's your preview, Facebook. Listen, we got these sick holiday hat extravaganza, as I like to call it. We have all sorts of bitching hats coming out. Okay. Uh, and not only that, so these are going to be out Facebook probably in a fucking day or two, to be honest with you. Oh. Right. But uh, we're going to have all sorts of bitching discounts. I think I'm talking to the crew and it's going to be up to like 50% off and some free shipping and it's going to be fucking killer. Right. So, uh, yeah, big Black Friday coming. Enjoy uh, shop.powerathletehq.com. Shameless plug on apparel. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's take a power athlete question. Do it. Dramatic pause. Do it. Okay. This is from Kilos and Beers. Dude, I can't wait till your shirt line comes out. <laughs> Kilos and Beers. Uh, I'll be your first customer. CrossFit has has its way of reaching us in faraway locations, overseas, deployment, etc. How will the power athlete methodology reach us this far out? Second question, if I was traveling to Texas and just so happened to be in the area around the end of November, how many beers or kilos would it cost to get up on that belt squat machine? Ooh, get up on old Sally? I don't know, that's not the, that's not a good name. Um, well, I mean in terms of reaching out Far away locations, I guess you need the internet, right? So we have no real offline version except for the fact that the whole course is summed up in a fucking workbook, bro. Um, so I'm, I'm not sure, you know, you, you need an internet connection, right? So the next few months is going to be dedicated to getting more course material out, more course content out, all that stuff. And, you know, Tex, I wonder if we could, um, I know we can enable, but we'd have to take into consideration... The ability to download the media from the Academy site. Yeah, it's risky because you want to know why? Listen, I've said this before and I've said, I'll say it again. Assholes ruin everything. Do you hear me? And some asshole out there is going to strip that whole fucking thing and circulate it to his whole gym. And listen, it's stealing. And there's two rules, literally two. There, our code of conduct at Power Athlete is very simple. All right. Don't fucking steal. And just be normal. Like, that's it. That's it. It's and, amazingly hard. Yeah. For many people. So the problem is when you start to, like, try to do something like this, John, is somebody's going to fuck it up. But, I mean, what I'd be curious to see what issues you're having now. Because it's an at-your-own-course or at-your-own-pace course. It's online. All you need is internet connection. You got the workbook. Bing, bang, boom. Uh, it's, in, it's in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Right? And so, literally, I mean... And we do our best to enable the the class fit experience that you get with the in-person. Like, it's honestly almost better because you don't have to listen to Luke or I tell terrible <laughs> fucking jokes. Yeah, no, mine uh, are good, though. <laughs> uh, but at, And at the same time, we also have um, 
interactive questions. We have, you know, TED Talks in which we, we engage and kind of expand your, your, your thinking, right? I don't expect you to just sit there and memorize the material, material that is online or in our workbook. I want you to really focus on your, your approach to strength and conditioning. Mm-hmm. So we engage, we inform, and then we, we kind of teach you the fundamental ways of thinking that will allow you success no matter what your field is, right? Strength and conditioning in particular, because most of the, the conversation is directed at teaching uh, training and connecting with people and athletes. But at the same time, if you think about if you're able to communicate, teach, and connect with people, that's going to take you far, mm-hmm. no matter what you're doing. So uh, there is so much more outside of the, I guess, the the lectures and the workbook. But at the same time, like, hell, that's the stuff that's the, the stuff that is unique to us. It's the creative things that we uh, invested really a lot of you know the past six years seven years of our lives and putting out there i don't want some asshole to just fucking grip it and grip it and then you won't value it Mm -hmm. and i guess in terms of the future of in-person clinics and seminars um we're in the process of process of building an army i mean we just had a guy from china sign up for the course so uh these folks who are going through this this course and come out to the power athlete ranch or whatever future iteration we can get remotely, uh, which is, you know, not near deployment. Uh, everything's going to be going on worldwide, baby. We're going to have a global footprint. So, um, we'll be there. We'll be there. Can I get a time check? Yeah. Time check. Easy. Why? Like what time is it or how long have we been fucking yapping? How long have we been yapping? Hour and 11 minutes. Hour and 11 minutes. Okay. Uh, let's stick with the fun one and then we'll go serious and then I guess you know what we're going to close on. <laughs> okay, this is from uh, Big Ragu, Tony Fu. <laughs> what? Just go. <laughs> okay. It's not funny. Oh, man. <laughs> so, he asks us three events. Which, what, who's, who's your money on? Number one, Home Run Derby. And this whistle is, ball. This is John V. Tex V. Me, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so the lone, the lone rangers, right? The lone rangers. <laughs> That's airheads. Yeah. Oh god, great band. Um. So anyway, home run derby in wiffle ball, the beer mile, and three beer pong. Tony Fu's predictions are as follows: He's got Luke Summers winning the home run derby, me taking the beer mile, but only if it's Shiner, mm-hmm. and John winning. The beer pong, basically because of his wingspan, and I've already no. He said ping pong, not beer pong. What? Oh, well, that's where my mind is following the beer mile, I mm-hmm. suppose. All right, well then. Well, let's pong. just throw beer well, pong in as a number four. Did we actually compete in ping pong down in Argentina? Yeah, I smoked you. Yeah, but who beat John? I don't think John played. Did he play? I think he actually fucking smoked us. No, 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 no. Yeah, because is... we blamed. I rem- I remember at least blaming it on his superhuman visual. Uh, cortex that fucking he got tested Dude, from it's Dr. three Jim. years ago the statute of limitations we can change the story oh yeah that's right carry on so we beat john <laughs> in argentina so that's already out mm-hmm. um let's see so home run derby i gotta give it to luke i'm in i'm the home run derby guy all he has to do is make contact uh-huh yeah big i'm big fucking sexy over here swinging and missing what is <laughs> yeah is and then i think tex you do have the beer mile yeah, no question. So is the beer mile, what is, it's run a mile and... No, it's it's run a lap, shotgun a beer, run a lap, shotgun a beer, run a lap, shotgun a beer, 
or shotgun a beer, but then you're on a lap. Mm-hmm. So you hit four laps, four beers. Mm-hmm. I can, I would, I would fucking crush that. I think you beat me in the run, but I'm definitely smashing you in the beer chug. Yeah, but I'm gonna make it up on the run. Yeah. So, uh, I guess. And then ping pong is we did pl- we literally did play ping pong, and I think we went. I think we we got bored and started going lefty and oh, like. Well, we did get bored because um, I forget we were booked way far away from the uh, the city, the venue. Mm-hmm. So we just had kind of a hanging out at our hotel, which is all you know. It was fine when you mm-hmm. start to play some ping pong over some wine, but uh, we started to get creative with um, with the game in which we were playing. So that was mm-hmm. you know only backhands, only lefty, only lefty backhands, only I don't know like flipping under. Yeah. So Just I testing athleticism, pong, and that's I where think, the definition of athleticism. I think was ping born. pong. I, I think John's gonna honestly win in a ping pong tournament. Yeah, but beer pong. I don't know. I'm not very good, Tex, and neither are you, because we fucking have lost some fucking games <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> when Malorts are on the line. Yeah, yeah. but I get uh, nervous. Barrel Ford. Okay, um, we're we're gonna end on Scott next. So uh, let's get back to back to some serious questions here. Yeah, let's do it. All right, talking Johnny Wad from J.B. Henderson. In the emails I received during the four-week trial of Johnny Wad, it states that it won't empower elite athletes, which makes sense. But it would still empower performance for the normal fellow, comma, correct. With chucks, with the chucks of field strong and speed kills, with the chunks of field strong mm-hmm. and speed kills. Which are in Johnny Wad. Which are in Johnny Wad. Wouldn't that still help increase one's athletic ability? Yes. So what we ultimately are abandoning, though, when we evaluate the performance traits that best benefit a field sport athlete, what we abandon is accelerated adaptation. So intermittent small doses of these things will not serve you as well as a well-thought-out and periodized construct that are looking to concurrently develop these things uh, and potentially undulate between these programs, right? Because field strong six weeks, and uh, you'll see things like a accumulation cycle to a sprint cycle, then pop off, and then go into some plyo, and then maybe uh, some cat, and then into our PAMC. So, like this whole thing kind of has its peaks and valleys, and uh, to account for, uh, po- like I guess uh, our bet our interpretation of a block periodization, which is really still concurrent type of undulating model. Anywho, back to it is short answers. Yeah, it'll kind of work, but we're looking to fucking work like big time work. So if you're just trying to kind of get a, a, get a sassy fucking wad on and not fuck yourself up and have it be intelligently laid out, Johnny wads the way to go. And especially, you know, you want to do some sprinting here and there, which Johnny would allow you go for it. But if you like really dig Johnny wad and really want to fucking work on sprinting, get the speed kills program and stack it. Like you can do that. Like, but at the end of the day, man, there's not, they're just two different. They're two different products or two different journeys. And, you know, I guess it's like, uh, putting cheese on a hot dog and putting on a hamburger bun and being like, it's still a fucking cheeseburger. Is that a good one, Tex? I would say a hot dog on a burger bun. That's literally what I just said, but I said put cheese on it as well. I oh. call it a cheeseburger. No, 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 no. I don't you fucking dare, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. So uh back at it. Um Yeah, that's that's kind of the how that sucker shakes out. And honestly, the biggest here's the here's what would 
for all you Johnny Waters out there, this and this is sure a shameless plug, but it's also honest. I'm just telling you the fucking honest to God truth. The number one thing that will make you better at life and at your Johnny Wad is by fucking throwing the dynamic movement prep in front of Johnny Wad every day. And on your rest days or days you can't get to the gym, do the dynamic movement prep anyways at a bare minimum. It's a 12-week fucking program. It accumulates and you can repeat. And there's guys who have repeated it three fucking times and are like, dude, I'm still fucking getting better. And I, I don't know. It's like maybe how much is that thing? Fucking 30 bucks, 40 bucks, something like that. And you have it for you a, a year. year. Yeah. Uh, but that's the best thing you could do for your Johnny Wad and for your training and just for feeling better. Um, yeah. So we got that going for us, which is nice. Did I answer that? You think, Tex? Yeah. All right. Okay. Next. Are you ready? Yeah. So again, there's, I, I sense a common theme with a lot of these questions. It's like talking, communicating with people to establish some buy-in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right on. Okay. So here we go. Jordan, Jordan Hamsley. I work with golfers now, but I came from strength and conditioning in a, in a real sport, question mark, and he puts in parentheses <laughs> baseball. <laughs> I have totally stolen the term posture and position, and it helped me get this job. You're welcome. My question is, do you have any insight in explaining posture and position for golfers and why external load could help their performance? Thanks. I mean, you could maybe... It comes down to tension, man. Like, it, okay, so get some buy-in. What, what was uh, Stu's fucking buzz line this last one? Um, proximal tension, distal something. It's an Instagram. I'll... I'll just kind of you look it up and I'll keep fucking talking. It's on our Instagram post. But at the end of the day, you're, you're teaching tension, right? And the ability to create tension. And that's kind of what I mean, that's a contraction. That's your ability to contract. And by overloading with some just basic barbell type stuff, external resistance, everything you're thinking of here, Jordan, uh, we increase an athlete's ability to generate force or increase tension. Right. So if you can start to maybe build a visual for the golfer or build an analogy like the hot dog one I did earlier, which was fucking a home run, then you can maybe start to make the connections because as you build and increase their ability to create this tension and build this tensile strength, you're concurrently continuing to play your sport. So you're expressing the ability to utilize this newfound ability and coordinative ability and strength and power by swinging at a golf ball, right? And I think, um, you know, Stu talked about within golfers, it's like a 30 to 60% effort for a swing, mm -hmm. right? Well, I mean, it's kind of simple math. You want 30% of $100 or 30% of $5,000. So if you can increase that top end threshold and you still continue that relative swing or strength, you start to increase ability, right? Yeah. So it was proximal tension for distal power. There we go. I also recall him saying proximal tension for distal athleticism or something like that. Yeah. I'll have to check my notes. But, uh, yeah, Luke's right on. So the key factor is going to get these guys on bedrock, okay? It, make sure that you throw in, I guess, the warm-ups as you understand them or go ahead and hit our uh, dynamic movement prep mm -hmm. series because, again, we're twisting, bending. And the key thing is going to be continuing to play golf as they are getting yes. stronger and yep. creating some new musculature, some new some new mass, because it must be coordinated. Mm -hmm. One of the, I guess, the biggest challenges and talks, arguments, whatever you want to call it, 
came to with the basketball coach. Yeah. Yeah. Because they didn't want them squatting because they didn't want them to lose their shot. His words, not mine. <laughs> what he didn't understand is if we can effectively increase the squat, then we pose them to last longer in the games, keeping up running back and forth on the court, uh, make them more powerful in the paint, and also uh, at the same time increase more their opportunity to get more shots. So he was focusing on one piece of the game versus seeing the big picture, which is athleticism, which is movement, which is power. So you need to talk to them and make sure that they continue to play their sport. I would recommend lifting first before. Then that puts you in the position to really set this thing on fire and then have them express their athleticism on the golf course. So would you have them lift for the whole their whole life cycle on bedrock? Or would you, I mean, would you eventually vary that in later life cycle? But later life cycle, yeah. Mm-hmm. Things change. Once you establish a base level of strength, right. then then your volume and intensity and how you approach this is going to be yeah. different. So this is also, I need to know the, the age of which the athletes you're working with. Yeah. If these are high schoolers. Yeah, they, which we're kind of assuming, right? Yeah, I assume they're high schoolers. They probably only have one golf season. If you're in college, you have you have fall and spring. So your winter is your opportunity to really hammer that 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 bedrock. And summer, they're probably gone probably mm-hmm. gone away from you and playing so uh it all depends on uh the population you're working with and your your pros then you're on the road all the time and lifting becomes so much more important really for for uh maintaining a high performance level mm-hmm. throughout the entire year or season uh which is almost year round so life cycle we're beginner college you're, they're getting on bedrock even if they're in season right now you're going to put them on that program teach them how to lift and then you have to hit them. If it's off season, they still have to go and swing. We don't mm-hmm. want the, we call it the, the Luke Summers fallacy. <laughs> yes. So we're Luke Summers lifted a shit ton of weight, mm-hmm. put on how much? 60, 60 pounds? pounds. 60 pounds in the off season. Became a whole different human being. Yeah. And then when he went back to the sprints and the things, it, he was a whole different human being. Mm-hmm. Objective should be to put on that 60 pounds, that 30 kilograms, continue to sprint continue to do your jumps so you can maintain the athleticism uh that's why going back to basketball the reference the the freaking the forwards and the centers that got the handling and the skills they had those handling and skills they hit their growth spurt but they didn't stop doing those drills and then just maintain coordination as they they developed their new selves Mm -hmm. boom (sighs) take a breath okay Want, you see when you want? You want to do these this arch support? Okay. It'll be a quick one. All right. I'm, I'm going on to text. Give you a little breather. So you guys, you guys have touched on feet shoes before, but my question is, should I stop using arch supports? I have them in yeah. all my shoes, and I'm wondering if I'm actually making my feet weak. Uh, yeah. We should have fucking Xanus, because Xanus put an awesome testimonial about how he rebuilt his arches. Um you know, one of his drills was toes forward squatting, a lot of the short foot stuff we talk about. And then we should have him put together like uh, reconstructing your arch. And actually, Dr. fucking uh, our boy, Dr. Jewett, uh, what's his website? He sent me some pretty gnarly shit, dude. Uh, first off, yes. Uh, what was it? It's unfucking your feet or something like that. Um, but yes, get rid of your arch, uh, your arch support. But maybe, I mean, is this like a Band-Aid thing, Tex? I don't know. I have arch. Uh, I have arches. 
Do we have to like rip it off like a bandaid or is this something you kind of like ease yourself into? I don't know. I don't know the best approach to that. I would rip it off. Okay. Knowing me, but that's accelerated adaptation. You only have so much time with your athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say rip it off. But this guy's got a long-term goal approach, and we don't know what his feet are like. Mm-hmm. He could be like the guy that we witnessed at the Army. Worst flat feet I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Or he could just, you know, have a little Xana's foot. All right, so the site is, and I guess this is like a shameless plug as well. We don't get any fucking money from this. But check out... Uh, Travis Jewett, go unfuckyourself.com, G-O-N-F-C-K, nice, and then yourself, Y-O-U-R-S-E-L-F.com, check out his shop, and he's got uh, shoulders, feet, and ankles, which is the one he showed me, and it's like he gives you this hour-long walkthrough, video walkthrough on how to do these drills and uh, get your feet all back in order, and he talks about how a lot of, uh, a lot of, like, he's just, he's just attacked his feet, well, Zanis maybe poke around that too but uh yeah short answer is i've often wondered this too because man it's just like flat feet is a curse you know what i mean it's what do you mean it's a curse it's weak arches it's you know it sucks to have it oh it sucks to have it but here's also is it as as much a curse as the people that say i can't do strict pull-ups yeah you know why you can't do strict pull-ups because you don't do strict pull-ups right you know why you have arch or poor arches? Because you don't do anything for your feet. You right. accept these limitations. So it's not a curse. Their mindset it's is It's an opportunity. Curse. Ooh, yeah. text. Mindset. Your fucking number one curse. We'll, we'll iron that out. Yeah. I, I mean, this could, this could, we can get a whole different podcast about mindset. So even working uh, down in Australia with Geo Page, what we needed to change was her mindset because mm-hmm. she would say, this is my bad knee or this is my bad ankle. It's like, no, 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 no. I need you to stop. I need you to stop right now. This is your, your new knee, your new ankle. This is what we're going to focus on. Uh, so that was a big part of that training, but it's, it's no different than the arch support. Like make a fucking change, rip mm-hmm. it off. I say rip it off and get right into it. And then guess how you're going to get better at squatting toes forward or squatting barefoot by squatting toes forward and squatting barefoot. What I love about the toes forward squat, it forces you to attack the limitations for squatting toes forward, mm-hmm. whether that's ankles, calves, hamstrings, knees, hips. You're not going to get hurt doing it. Your limitation will get literally get in the way before you can go any lower to possibly uh, cause an injury or, or po- cause some, some issue to go up. So mm-hmm. that's what I love about the toes forward squat. It almost forces you to attack your limiting factors being at knee or ankle. Um, and just had, I don't know, GeoPage flashbacks. Mindset was mm-hmm. a big part of it. Yeah, and if you don't know who GeoPage is, people, dudes especially, she's that dime piece rugby bird who fucking smashed up her face and then made a play and then, like, loogied out fucking, you know, a pint of blood and then, you know, rubbed some dirt on it and got back in. So we had to, we've been, we worked with her a little bit, got her on some movement prep stuff. Tech actually went down there, did some training with her, and we've been, helped her with some nutrition stuff. She's a fucking gnarly chick, dude. And, and she taught me how to play rugby. Yeah. And she's, uh, uh, at the same time, very, uh, very beautiful woman and strong and empowering and fucking, dude, female athletes are the best. Like, just in terms of coachability. And fucking, you know, you get some fucking gnarly ass dude. He's not going to listen to you. He knows better. He's got bigger biceps, that type of shit. Anyways, Tex, barreling forward. Barreling. My computer's about to die. So Okay. You want me to just jump in and take it? Yeah. All right. Let's talk VBT, bro. Uh, Bat Vengeance. 
asks, how often should one use velocity-based training when one wants to have more power? Um, every lifting session or more like what Westside Barbell does with one week dynamic effort, one week max effort. By the way, he's a Johnny Water. Boom. Um, so honestly, you should be moving the fucking bar as fast as you can every time you're moving it. I do have a take on this. Okay. So um, in terms of the Johnny Watt stuff, that's going to be the volume intensity model, which we, we do have incorporated. So when you see like an RM, that's going to be your max effort. But we're going to be at maximal effort, circa max, which ultimately is going to restrict your ability to move the bar faster, right? So weight should never dictate range of motion, but it will dictate bar speed, okay? Yeah. So then as we go in, do any sort of drop set in Johnny Wad or a back off a percentage of a previous RM, that is your opportunity to walk up and deliberately think about making that bar whip, uh, whether you're squatting or benching or pressing, whatever. So in terms of the Johnny Wad framework and paradigm, that's how you're going to incorporate it. And then, you know, the tricky thing is during the Metcon type stuff, because if you're going for maximal velocity on that stuff and achieving maximal tension with submaximal loads, you're going to burn out a little bit quicker, right? And then uh, you might be exceeding the therapeutic dose and have kind of a detraining effect with that. So that's where you got to kind of balance this volume intensity model. And uh, Johnny, why do you have a lower risk of that? But I'm thinking more of like kind of the higher rep type stuff that you might see in some other type of fitness uh, programs or interpretations of, I should say. So Texas jotting down some fucking notes here. But, um, and remember at the, you know, when you're starting to focus on first off, make sure you need more power, right? Because as you start to put more and more effort into any sort of training response, ultimately, ultimately you see, you will see reversibility kind of poke its head through where you start to neglect other training stimulus. And then you start to, you know, force too much power. I don't know, Tex, uh, where that you could go with that because power is ultimately you're working on, I mean, Strength. Speed. We we talk about athleticism. This is going to really come down to almost rate of force development. Like turn on, turn off, turn on, turn off. What separates the good from the great is an athlete's ability to turn on, turn off, and then turn on again. That's what we see. Ronaldo. We see DeAndre Hopkins. The guys that make it just seem seamless and effortless. I would throw a bear in there as an example, but watching them play on Sunday, I don't think they can do that. But anyway. Are you talking like grizzly bears, black bears, polar bears, or Chicago bears? Chicago bears. Have you seen Jay Cutler play? He's on the Dolphins now. (laughs) I know, but he's forever Um, a bear. All right, so what I need everyone to do is just throw up on a uh, kind of velocity-based training chart. Uh, Nothing new, nothing fancy, but it talks about the different types of strength. So, again, not all strength is created equal, different forms of adaptation. Um, and so what John does an amazing job of is kind of inherently periodizing all of these in here based off what he wants to accomplish with that specific cycle or the goal. So you want to talk about the difference between power athlete and any other training program you get to get online. It's going to be John is the X factor because he looks at the, uh, he looks at the, the, uh, the, the feed, the leaderboard. He looks at uh, kind of what the biomarkers. Um, what, Luke, help me out here. On Trainer Heroic, when we click mm-hmm. the trophy, what is, it, what is that called? Leaderboard. 
Leaderboard, okay. So, and he identifies, all right, well, this was my, my focus, my vision. Was this goal accomplished? Mm-hmm. Was the goal absolute strength? That's when we're looking at ones or two RMs, kind of those bigger, uh, those bigger but slower maxes, right? And then you get into accelerative strength. Those are going to be your three RMs or your, um, those are going to be your, your three RMs or your one, your single cats, like your replication of speed. We're going for accelerative strength. Uh, and that's on our chart here, 0.5 to 0.75 millimeters per second. Then you get meters in, per second. Meters per second. Then you get into strength, speed. So these are our three cats, but then our five RMs. So uh, from there, you get speed, strength. Those are our five cats, crazy five cats, and then our seven RMs. And then you get starting strength, which you know is going to be probably more of our our kind of plyometrics and our fast stuff, our cleans. Uh, also. John putting in power variations of the, the barbell. That's how we get our, our quarter squats mm-hmm. and really hit this, this starting strength out of the athletic, the universal athletic position, hip depth. That's a big part of us catching in power cleans. People just poo poo us because we're not Olympic lifters. What I don't understand is kind of big picture thinking. So, um, but it comes down to what is the specific goal for that cycle that John wants to accomplish and then he programs accordingly. If the goal is not accomplished, then the next cycle is going to make up for that limiting factor. Earlier in the program, we said strength and conditioning comes down to three things. One, identifying the demands of the goal. Two, is going to be assessing your athletes. And three, is building the program to get the athlete to the goal. Mm-hmm. So there is absolutely no prog- programs better out there. And we know because uh, Luke and I try to get in touch with John, and he's freaking off the grid for two days because yeah. he's sitting there programming. Beautiful minding. Yeah, all these different programs. So. But if you see those numbers, understand there is a specific, or cat, you know, or 3RM, there are specific adaptations to each of those lifts, and we want you to move, I don't care the number on the bar, move as fast as you fucking can to accomplish the goal, if that's the goal. Mm-hmm. Asked and answered. Barrel forward? Barrel forward. All right. John Pima. Luke McQuilkin, what are your thoughts on Ramwad? Slash, have you guys given it a crack? Pros, cons, and such. Uh, the Ramwad thing, uh, you know, I'm just not convinced flexibility is an issue for a lot of people, right? And uh, if you haven't listened to Cal Dietz yet, go back to the Cal Dietz episode, and he ha- he explains it it thoroughly, and I'll give my best interpretation of this. Um, when you're talking about creating force and producing force, we have a two-spring system, but that is the uh, integration of tendon and muscle. Right. And if you interpret a muscle to be too tight and you start to strengthen that, you fatigue the two spring system, ultimately compromising performance. Uh, And on top of that, you may have a set of tissue that you believe to be tight because of flexibility, where it is actually a nervous system issue. You know, you have a nerve impingement or something that is guarding, right? And no matter how hard you stretch that fucking thing, all you're going to do is tear that tissue and it's going to start to work against you mm-hmm. right or scar or tear or scar right so then you just got to kind of know what the fuck you're doing and number three is the fact that a lot of this and i fell victim to this when i was doing some of the mobility wad shit back in the day like more is more and what you don't realize is that you, you fucking hammer these stretches in these static positions for so long and it's painful above what, like, what Cal would interpret as a three, right? Um, you're triggering an inflammatory response and ultimately contributing to a long-term detraining effect. So uh, 
know what you're doing, I guess. Yeah. Um, the the idea of static stretching isn't a terrible concept of uh, for cool down, but understand the thresholds and limitations and why you have those limitations and that simply stretching realistically isn't going to fucking improve anything anyways. So, so um, here's my take. Uh, number one, and again, going back to the discussion in the Cal- Caldeeds podcast, uh, active versus passive range of motion. So uh, when we you, talk Josh. about, yeah, when we talk about sports or we talk about training, that's active range of motion. So we want to increase our athletes' ability to maintain and control their active range of motion. But if we look at ROMWAD or static stretching, that's passive range of motion. And passive range of motion does not improve active range of motion, right? Uh, John talks about all the time, those yoga ladies that walked into Balboa, amazing flexibility, but as soon as they put a barbell on their back, you know, stability, mobility without stability equals injury. injury. Right. So Cal added to that, and we can start to add to that too, is we should be focusing on the athlete's necessary range of motion for their sport. More is not always better, Mm -hmm. right? More is... Yes. Go. So um, with that, I need your cool downs also to be specific to your training that day and immediately after your training, not later on when you're bored or you're feeling it. It needs to be specific right after that day. How we accomplish that with power athletes is going to be splitting the body into front and back, anterior and posterior, just like we do with the training. If you'll notice bedrocks, push, pull. If you notice a lot of the field strong work, push, pull. So we are going to, when we hit our posterior chain hard with the deadlifts, the, the Olympic lifts or some plyos, uh, then we're going to hit the posterior chain series on our, split, on our stretches, our cool downs. Our static stretching is cool after, right, all the active. We almost want it to return. It's going to help our athletes return to their normal range of motion. Um, second, uh, anterior, right, whenever we splint, whenever sprint, squat, then we hit our anterior or front side, open up those hips again, um, do hip hamstring combos, calves, uh, calf dorsiflexion combos, different things. So you'll see that uh, sprinkled in there with our cool downs. And this is finally what I get into. And when I, I go to talk to college buddies, who I see post all about the ROM wad, I'm like, dude, let's talk about this. I bring in the story of Neon Dion Sanders and Mr. Raf Ruiz. So Raf's one of his first strength and conditioning experiences, Florida State University. And who walks in freaking neon Deion Sanders as a freshman running four three four two forty, so they're thinking, all right, flexibility increases, speed increases. So guess what happens? Raf's sole job is to stretch Dion. That's it, just stretch him. So then when they go back to retest later on in the in the cycle in the semester, guess what happened? Dion got slower. So this is a, even and Cal found an equal. Um, equal experience in his application of flexibility and stretching to his athletes they need there's certain athletes that need that you know that 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 tightness that tension within them that allows them like luke said to let the dampening springs dampen and then return to you know on off on off so i need the stretches the cool downs to be immediately after training mm-hmm. i need it to be specific to the training that day Ramwad, it's probably different every day. It's probably constantly varying. It's probably a good package, but it's not specific to you or your training. So uh, we've tried it, or we've had access to it. I know John and I fucked around for a week, you know, and it's 
I guess here's the thing is like we didn't really follow it RX, I guess is how you would do it, right? We would just kind of go in and interpret what it was and get a decent kind of stretching session on. But at no means were we like, you know, pain face. Like we know we know our limitations. We knew what to work around and we got some stretching and it's like, all right, whatever. But I, it didn't necessarily improve our performance. It was just kind of felt stretched out. You know what I mean, Tex? Uh, I guess I would rather spend my time in retrospect training you know doing some more active range motion type stuff dynamic movement prep type stuff so but uh you know and i don't think people put this shit out regardless of the product with malicious intent i just don't think they take the time to understand the end goal or they don't even fucking have an end goal right and that's where it's kind of tricky and why ramwad becomes essential text and i'm gonna go into this and i know I, I yeah and i got more to add but let's you go okay so here's who's who's the target market for this it's crossfitters right and it's uh you know the, the necessary range of motion is the ones that are prescribed in rx right uh and honestly are relatively arbitrary and I'd be curious to see some sort of controlled study of partial range of motion consistently versus full range of motion consistently. But the partial comes through because of the athlete's individual restrictions, right? So we fit within how we would say an athlete's individual range of motion that's appropriate for their sport. And we go through this uh, uh, gradating overloading kind of work capacity and i bet they get just as fucking fit as the other guy who's going full range of motion per se who has a healthy full range of motion and what i'm getting at is going fucking hips below parallel in the grand scheme of things doesn't fucking matter it doesn't but because we have to standardize and measure and quantify this stuff uh it does and i'm doing air quotes fucking facebook people know what i'm talking about but it does because you need an even playing field to put a fucking score up on a board because you're exercising for points you know what i mean and then that means oh you get some fucking heart uh very enthusiastic and well-intentioned individual in a fucking gym but he can't get an overhead squat or some shit right because that's what's fucking rx that day so what do they think oh it's range of motion issue couldn't be anything else it's flexibility because you probably have a coach who doesn't hasn't gone outside of their comfort zone and fucking listened to a guy like caldice or looked into Stu mcgill or look into other these other systems and then here they are saying oh you know it's a range of motion issue and then you got a well-intentioned coach telling a well-intentioned fucking client that it's a range of motion issue that goes to a fucking google machine and puts in how to fix range of motion for crossfit and what do you think comes up because you have a well-intentioned business owner who did some seo on their fucking site that says flexibility range of motion crossfit pow ramwad all right i subscribe to this fucking thing when realistically the guy's got a fucking herniated disc and some nerve issue that doesn't allow him to get full range of motion overhead there's my fucking rant and who gives a fuck about an overhead squat that's a whole different podcast <laughs> so Again, I like the Ramwad guys. We've, we've we've talked to them, man. They're fine. They're good. But like, no, just just know the potential trade offs. And if you're a guy listening to this, that's just like their life's goal is to hit an overhead squat. I just want you to sit down, fucking stare at yourself in the mirror for a little bit, and uh, really evaluate what the priorities are. I don't know, but I guess that's coming from a guy that has no problem overhead squatting three fifteen. So whatever. Suck it, Tex. And that's probably not current. That was back in my heyday. <laughs> so I'm sorry to fucking go on that text. Did you have anything else on that? Just I don't 
want a, I guess, um, a misapplication through lack of experience or understanding. Mm -hmm. If you know for a fact that this specific day on the Ramwad program paired with your training or the pieces, the movements that you learned going through Ramwad, not the, not the just, oh, I'm going to put this on the TV. No, no, no. I learned that this stretch after my overhead squats or after my deadlifts really helped me recover for the next day and I didn't have the deadlift flu. So taking away the movements and the pieces that you learned from the program to help specifically your athletes for their training goals or you for your training goals, but don't just put it on mm-hmm. and expect it to accomplish what you intended intend it to. It needs to be specific. Body comes down to pairs, chains, and systems. If I work this system, I'm going to stretch that system. If I work that chain, posterior chain, for example, I'm going to stretch the posterior chain. It can't just be, oh, well, this was hard, or, hey, I, I lacked flexibility here in my overall program. I'm going to give it to my athletes because it was hard for me. No, no, no. It needs to be specific to what they're training, what their goals are, what your training is, what your goals are. It can't just be, you know, a fucking DVD yoga mm-hmm. for flexibility. Barreling forward. So that's our thoughts on that. And here's another thing. Like, know what you're training for. If you have a performance matrix, test, retest. And if it works for you, great. But guess what? It's probably not going to work forever. So it may be something that's a dosing thing. Text. I don't know. I just want to kind of give them the benefit of the doubt. Because we can't make an absolute statement on it. Because yeah, it could fucking I'm help j- somebody. I'm telling you, learn from it. Yeah. Jeet Kune Do, if there yeah. are pieces, there are, there are series, there's stretches from it that you learn that you see the connection between your performance or what you're doing on Johnny Wad, mm-hmm. then do it. Yeah. But and you just got like, you go back to fucking Dana and mo- at mobility oh, yeah. maker who it's can, it, you know, it, I, it comes down to a breathing component, uh, calming CNS and she can improve range of motion in fucking four seconds by like 60%. Yeah, and it's I'd not go, a flexibility. I go to her YouTube yeah. first, man. Yeah. So barreling forward guys uh, let's talk about uh pierre ronaldson D- dude's jacked he's a fucking jack street guy recovery techniques are a hot topic like ice baths do you get the contrast there text that's like a hot topic ice bath no i he he's a he's a <laughs> long time not first time question asker he did private training with me while back. oh nice yeah uh so ice baths box breathing muscle stim foam rolling and sleep um which are your go-to recovery tools, and what do you guys think about ice baths? Uh, I like ice baths. I'm not. A, I'm not against it. I like the contrast stuff. I've ne- like going even. It doesn't have to be fucking like ball shriveling, freezing, but even if you do some cold, hot type stuff in the shower and just like kind of grind and do some, I guess tissue. Like if your chest jacked up, hot, cold, and just kind of work that soreness out, uh, it helps, right? So some massage type stuff, some foam rolling type stuff. Uh, but without a doubt, the fucking like, it's stupid, man. Or maybe it's not stupid. The best thing for me for s- recovery is eat right and sleep like a fucking bear hibernating. Like nothing will allow you to recover f- more like Wolverine than eating the right foods, training hard, cool down, sleep. Like that's it. Sounds pretty good. Cool down, stretch, yeah. stretch, stretch, stretch afterwards. Mm-hmm. It'll be but uh, yeah, I mean, foam rolling, muscle stim. So Tex did an interesting uh, kind of self study, right? Where oh yeah, yeah, with the, he did the only complex. only muscle stim cool downs, no static stretching. Training was well, but sleep was kind of compromised. Right? Uh, or, yeah, so we had 
Uh, it was on FieldStrong, and John had been programming Compex into FieldStrong. So I just did a six-week, so one-cycle self-study. I religiously cooled down since freaking getting my ass kicked every single day at RAFs. Yeah, yeah. So you had to cool down. You had to come ready because literally your life was on the line in freaking open water. <laughs> I'm not kidding. So you had to be dialed in and focused, so I had to cool down. Uh, so anyway, so religiously stretched, and then uh, Compex comes around. So first experience with STEM outside our, our shitty D3 um, training room. But, um, yeah, I just didn't. So I, I think uh, numbers were up, but my central nervous system, my parasympathetic, parasympathetic nervous system, my sleep – just feel felt off. I just didn't feel yeah. right. It felt achy. I just, it didn't feel right. But then, you know, it was hitting numbers. I would rather feel fucking fantastic yeah. than my numbers. Um, because you know, training was just at that time club fucking lax. And now it's just club softball. <laughs> I'd rather fucking feel yeah, good and I'm with have, you, Tex. have a great swing. Than I'm kind of over. I'm just over the numbers thing. I, I mean, we had a we had a stint. I think Jack Street is when I just went to go get big and fucking strong. And honestly, the same thing felt like shit, but different than the recovery deal. But honestly, all all that shit uh, combined together is going to work well for you, bro. And I guess if you were to prioritize that, sleep, nutrition, cool down, stretching, uh, and then everything kind of falls in behind behind that personal. Personals, uh, kind of warm, cold contrast, ice bath, and then stim, and then, you know, foam rolling is never bad. Like after get a little pre warm up, warm up on, right? Get some blood flow going, get a little foam rolling in. But you know, the, the one thing that Aunt Lo talks about is like people fucking foam roll for thirty minutes on their glutes. Like you should literally need after you warm up thirty seconds is probably the max, right? to make any noticeable difference and if you need more than that something else is fucking going on so the foam rolling is not really going to help you you need to go see a fucking voodoo witch doctor like aunt uh the physio detective but i guess that's all i gotta say about that all right we're gonna go one more kind of probably lengthy talky one and then we okay. got three speed rounders okay pretty easy all right <clears throat> uh second question jb henderson do we answer his first question i couldn't i, 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 I couldn't think find we it uh, yeah, we did. It was like, uh, anyways, barreling forward, irrelevant. Uh, he says, uh, this one's on behalf of my dad. All right. What is the most, what is most important at 54 cardio or weights? Classic fucking like dad question. Uh, what would a well-rounded workout regimen look like for a 54 year old that wants to train seven days a week for health, not for powerlifting or road races? Uh, and then that was end quote. Now this is back to, uh, our boy JB, right? Uh, he says, Dad was a trooper for 30 years. He trained really hard uh, the whole time. Ran road races, lifted heavy, and then a few and then a few knee surgeries and elbow surgeries set him back. Uh, shoulders as well. Then there's retirement. He moves well, but is looking to revamp his routine. Uh, we are curious as to what your thoughts are on his matter. This is fucking awesome. You know, uh, honestly, so... I think you just got to lift some weights. Like, so going back to the old Jim Wendler, this guy's a little banged up, right? So we got to find out what doesn't hurt. You know, if that's a trap bar deadlift and a, a football bar bench for a neutral grip uh, or dumbbell bench or something like that, then you got to find out what to do in terms of weights. But and the answer to cardio or weights, like within the framework of your old man's thinking, both, right? Both. But really on top of that, that little umbrella, 
of over cardio and weights is movement, right? Yeah. So it's about movement. And you don't, listen, this guy, your old man's 54. Not everyone's going to fucking kick around and whip around like Swayze at 54, but you're going to try your fucking hardest to get there because you never know when you're going to be in a ballroom having to fucking kick some Swayze kicks out and spin a lady around and catch her in the air, dirty dancing style. You want to look really graceful doing that. You don't want to look like a wounded animal limping around the fucking Serengeti about to be chomped on by a fucking tiger, right? So I digress. Movement. So it's going to look like some weight training, right? And some squat step lunge a lot. I mean, grindstone might be a great option for your old man and some of the dynamic movement prep. I think like if, if he just wants a turnkey solution, check out those two stack dynamic movement prep on top of grindstone. He's going to feel a little goofy doing some of this shit at first, but he's going to feel great. Uh, you know, doing some of our Spider-Man vertical twist and high hamstring type stuff. Um, it's, it's not very traditional what you'd see, but uh, I, I don't know that at 54, even if you're a hard charger, you need more than two days of some like decent weight work. And then from yeah. there, the great thing about grindstone is you have a couple optional days and then, uh, or two recommended days and an optional day. So you have five available training days and seven's a fucking lot, man. But if, you know, if he wants, like, this is a guy that might benefit from some, some smart yoga, you know, like the black swan type stuff out here. Yeah. Um, that's kind. Of, that's kind of what I think about that. That's awesome that he's fucking in, yeah. in on that. And and don't forget that weightlifting also is very beneficial for your heart. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about blood pressure, we when probably doctors talk about blood pressure, uh, guess what? The opportunity to really help kind of the, your your health and how the body operates with high blood pressure, and you're able to maintain. Um, and not fall victim to any issues that are possible that happen is going to be weightlifting. So I'm not talking about probably Jim Wendler, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, opportunity of just putting uh, loads in your hands, whether that's deadlifting, that trap bar, or whether it's just kind of mm-hmm. uh, kettlebell walks, stuff like that. But uh, yeah, so just don't think, oh, cardio for my heart. No, mm-hmm. weightlifting is going to do incredible benefits for your heart. Uh, also bone health, bone density, all that good stuff. So uh, yeah, don't, don't pick one or the other. You're going to have to do both, both, but you have to move well. And, uh, you know, don't confuse the lifts in powerlifting as power lifts. I mean, I guess they are, I don't want to offend any powerlifters out there, but it comes down to loading, right? Um, things should always be heavy and heavy is a relative term and things should always be getting heavier, right? Uh, every ounce counts. So we always want to progress. Don't be like those fucking, uh, you know, 55, 60 year old retirees at my fiance's fucking health club or my fiance's parents health club. who are doing the same shit they've been doing for fucking 20 years at the same weights and same reps. All right. You want to see a little bit of overload. You want to see some progression in either, like we talked about amplitude, frequency, or load. Probably load is going to be basically load and frequency was basically reps and weight, but squat, step, lunge, push, pull, um, and find something he rotates right yeah. twist bend twist bend breathe and breathe yep and have fucking fun too like and it shouldn't hurt either if something like don't be that guy that toughs through pain because he sounds like a fucking tough dude find what doesn't hurt don't worry about like range of motion and shit like that or do but don't right yeah that's it so yeah fucking speed around all right here we go bitches um Yo, my dogs! What's the best exercises or aspects of strength for high school athletes? Just follow bedrock, right? Yeah. Uh, and so you, what 
Yeah, and sprinkling bedrock and what we've added to bedrock. So anyone that's been to CrossFit football seminar, mm-hmm. what we've added to bedrock is going to be step-ups and lunges. So mm-hmm. moving through space for these kids. Yep. So squat, step, lunge, push, pull, linear progression, uh, restricted fucking movement selection. So not a wide array of movements. We would restrict on fundamental movements, master that, and then get tricky from there after 20 to 30 weeks. Uh, In fucking sprint, man. Have these kids sprint, sprint, Uh. sprint, sprint. All right. So there you go. Speed round. Next question. Hoff Rossman. (laughs) Guns, comma. Party barge, comma. Lifting, period. When is it all happening? Question mark. Listen, Hoff, it's happening every day out here. That's our fucking job description, basically. It's like, hey, you want to work for Power Athlete? Let me tell you, uh, <laughs> it is happening. And when does everybody else get to do it? December 8th, 9th, and 10th, Power Athlete Symposium. Probably won't have a lot of guns there that you can see, but believe me, we're going to be fucking raging with a party barge and some lifting. So Which, what you don't know is party barge was Luke's nickname in college. <laughs> so it will be there. Uh, asked and answered. And final speed question, speed round. Ben Skutnik, has John Wellborn ever overcooked a steak? Never. It's always been per- cooked perfectly. Never. I've never gone over there and had the one overcooked steak. Uh, and Kate and the kids have perfectly cooked steaks, and so does John, and there's just one guy there with an overcooked steak. That's never fucking happened. Okay, it's happened. He's overcooked my steaks. I think it's fucking intentional. And as the story goes, that's the only steak he's overcooked. That one. That's what I'm told. And what date? What was the date? Uh, The date was July 19th, 2012. Yeah, that was it. So there you have it, Ben. Other than that, can't remember it. I know. (laughs) All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it. Fuck, Tex, I'm tired. Any guesses on how long this runtime was? Exactly two hours and 20 seconds. So, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening to another episode of the premier podcast on Strength and Condition Egg. Uh, we're in the middle of Black Friday right now, so go to shop.powerathletehq.com and check it out. And Cyber Monday is right around the corner if you're one of those people who listen on Fridays right when this sucker comes out. Or maybe Saturday morning with your coffee. Who knows? Yeah, so Power Athlete Methodology Semester 3. Oh, yeah, bitches. If you want to learn about this methodology course we've been talking about, go to academy.powerathletehq.com. Dot com and uh you'll see it right there it'll say power athlete methodology you click on that and check it out if you have a question let us know uh it's your first step towards becoming a power athlete coach it culminates in an in-person experience here that is like no fucking other right uh and thanks for listening enough about us you have a great day you have a great weekend you are special we care about you which is why you should give us five stars on itunes stitcher or google play or whatever you listen to us on do it do it. All right, text. Bye. Bye. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Again, just a special thank you to everyone who participated in Wade's Day. Whether you did the workout, you bought the t-shirt, you organized an event at your gym, we are truly grateful to have your ongoing support. And particularly to everyone who's signed up for the symposium, all of those proceeds, again, are going straight to the Wade's campaign. We're very proud of that, and you should be, too, for participating. Happy Thanksgiving from all of us at Power Athlete HQ, and as always, until next time, bye!